Today we celebrate the memorial of the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This feast day was only instituted back in 1954 by Pope Pius XII, and originally actually he had put it on the end of May, May 31st. And Paul VI, when the revision of the calendar took place in 69, uh, moved it to its logical place now here on August 22nd, which concludes kind of the octave day of the feast, the solemnity of the Assumption of Mary into heaven. So for centuries and centuries, we didn't really have a, a, a feast day dedicated to Mary as queen, but the Feast of the Assumption, if you look at its liturgical text and the commentary of the saints and theologians for the Feast of the Assumption, it's always tied in there in honoring Mary as queen because she is assumed into heaven that she is also queen in heaven. And honoring Mary as our queen, reigning alongside Jesus our King, goes back even to the ancient church, and it's right there in Scripture as well, which I'll get into in a moment. The feast day of the Assumption then leads and uh, allows us to fully honor Mary as our Queen, which is why August 22nd is a great place to have this feast day, and that's why during uh, this octave we have here at the shrine what's called Marian Week. So we've been honoring Mary in a special way by after our pilgrim mass at 2 p.m. every day, we've been having a rosary procession carrying a statue of Our Lady, giving her uh, that honor as our queen. And you can think of the mysteries of the rosary, the fourth and fifth mysteries of the glorious mysteries. Fourth mystery being Mary assumed into heaven, and then the fifth mystery, Mary crowned queen of heaven and earth. Again, that just logical uh, uh, step there. And originally, actually, the fourth and fifth mysteries of the rosary weren't those two mysteries of Our Lady. It was the second coming of Christ before the fourth mystery, and then the fifth mystery, the, the final judgment. The glorious mysteries are to remind us of our place in heaven that God has prepared for us. And those kind of eschatological endings there also tie in with the fourth and fifth mysteries being the second coming and final judgment. But the church uh, around the Renaissance time or even a little bit later, it kind of switched over to focusing on Our Lady reminding us that she is a powerful intercessor for us in order to help us reach our place in heaven. And she is that model for us. She inspires hope for us that we too can have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is the reign of David's kingdom. When you think of the Old Testament 
covenants, one of the major ones includes that covenant God made with David when he said, your kingdom will last forever. And we hear a hinting of that again, a reminder of that in our first reading from Isaiah. We hear how, for a child is born to us, a son is given us, upon his shoulder dominion rests. His dominion is vast and forever peaceful. From David's throne and over his kingdom, which he confirms and sustains by justice and justice, both now and forever. His kingdom will last forever. And when Mary is told she is to conceive the Messiah, she is promised that again. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus is the king of the universe. He is the king of kings. And we were reminded of that on the cross, that inscription, which is ironically placed, saying he is the king of the Jews. But he is more than that. He is our king. He is the king of the new Israel. And if he is the king of the new Israel, because the church is the new Israel, that's why he established upon the church the foundation of 12 apostles to replace the 12 tribes, then we must look to the old Israel of how that kingdom worked. How did the king reign? One of the aspects of his reign was that the wife of the king in the old Israel was not the queen. The queen was the mother of the king, the queen mother. And if you look at uh, in the Old Testament, you know, look at uh, David's wife Bathsheba. You know, he had many wives, right? And so that's why it would always be the mother. So David's wife Bathsheba was not the queen. When you read how she interacted with David, you still see how she comes in and pays homage to David, her king. But then when their son Solomon becomes king, we read in, in the book of 1 Kings that Solomon places a throne next to his right. He puts his mother Bathsheba on his right, on a throne. And no longer do you see him paying homage to Bathsheba, or Bathsheba paying homage to the king, rather. He even pays homage to her as his queen. And the queen mother in Israel was also a powerful intercessor. We can also read in 1 Kings how one of Solomon's uh, subjects even actually his brother, they would come and they would go to Bathsheba, the queen mother, saying, you know, the king will not refuse you. They're going to the king through the queen. 
because of the way she can present it. It's almost as if she, she can take their petitions and put it on a golden platter, make it look nice. The king is not uh, going to be inclined in refusing his mother or his beloved queen. And so we can take all this and see that in the new Israel, in David's kingdom, which lasts forever, Christ being the new David, a son of David, that this way of the king and queen reigning still exists. That Jesus is our king, but alongside that king, on his right, is the queen. And that's why even uh, in Psalm, I think 44, one of the Psalms, there's that line there talking about how great David's kingdom is and how it will last forever and how on the right hand the queen stands arrayed in gold of Ophir. And that's actually even the entrance introit, the entrance antiphon for today's Mass. Mary then is our queen. She is that queen who is crowned with 12 stars. And that is one of the strongest biblical bases we have in Scripture, being in the book of Revelation. We see that there's a great sign in the heavens, a woman standing on the moon, crowned with 12 stars. So this is a cosmic queen, the queen of the cosmos, queen of the universe, queen of heaven and earth because of all that symbolism there of the sun and the stars and the moon. Those are the heavens. Now, you might hear some scholars or some Protestants say, well, that's not really Mary being depicted there. That's the church. Well, actually, it's both and. The book of Revelation is very rich. There's multiple symbolisms. And what else is in that picture there? She gives, this woman gives birth to a son, and she is attacked and fights this dragon with seven heads. Now, Jesus is commonly depicted as that son that is given birth, and the dragon is usually understood to be the devil, Satan. And so if those two are individuals, how can we not say this woman is an individual? If we're going to say those two are individuals, she too is an individual. And then yet there is also that collective symbolism in that Mary, or the woman, symbolizes the church that gives birth to Jesus, symbolizes the new Israel, and then the collective symbolism there that matches, that parallels, is the, the offspring of the woman are their disciples of Christ. You know, as a few verses later shows that, you know, they're persecuted. It's not just Jesus. If it's also the offspring of Christ. And then the dragon and its seven heads are the, the rulers of the earth, the kings of the earth. 
And so it's both and. There's individual symbolism and the collective symbolism. And so Mary, right in Scripture, is shown to us that she is crowned with the 12 stars. She is made queen of the church, made queen of the new Israel, founded now upon the 12 apostles. And she is a powerful intercessor for us because she is the one who defeats that dragon. She is the one who crushes the head of the serpent. She is that new Eve who participates in a very powerful way in our redemption because without her, yes, we would not have had the redemption that Jesus desired according to his plan. Jesus comes to us through Mary, and he desires for us to go to him through Mary. It's important for us then, especially in these times, in the spiritual battles that we fight today against the world, the flesh, and the devil, against the many encroaching attacks of the evil one in our society today, it's important for us to stay close to our queen to pay her homage. And in paying her homage and honoring Mary, we are not worshiping her. We might do things that some consider acts of worship. You know, we, we might kneel before a statue of Mary, right? We might pray to her in a sense of asking her for her prayers. We sing songs to her, honoring her. And so that's why, you know, sometimes even Protestants might say, oh, look at that, you're, you're worshiping Mary. Well, that's because a lot of those things that they really only do in their church are exactly those things where they pray, ask for petitions, sing songs of praise. But the one difference between honor and worship is for the Israelites, according to Scripture, an essential aspect of worship is offering sacrifice. And we don't offer sacrifice to Mary. We offer sacrifice to God. We offer up the sacrifice of His very self, His Son, our Lord, right here at Mass. We are offering up that one perfect sacrifice that has been fulfilled forever in renewing it, representing it here on this altar this altar of Christ's sacrifice. So we worship God, we worship Christ in this sacrifice of the Mass, but we don't worship Mary. We pay her homage, we honor her, because even Mary, Mary herself is honored by Jesus. That's her queen, that's his queen. And it was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who decided to make her queen of heaven and earth. That was their special gift to her. St. Bernardine of Siena has a great quote in that, the glorious virgin has as many subjects as the blessed Trinity has. Every creature, whatever be its rank and creation, spiritual as the angels, rational as man, material as the heavenly bodies or the elements, heaven and earth, the reprobate and the blessed, all that springs from the power of God 
is subject to the Virgin. For he who is the Son of God and of the Blessed Virgin, wishing so to say to make his mother's principality in some sort equal to his father's, became God as he is, the servant of Mary. If then it be true to say that everyone, even the Virgin, obeys God, we may also convert the proposition and affirm that everyone, even God, obeys the Virgin. Even God, the God-man, Jesus, especially as a child, obeyed this future queen of heaven and earth, obeyed his mother, the mother of our, our Lord. And that's what Elizabeth said to Mary when she greeted Mary upon the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. She says, how does it come to me that the mother of my Lord comes? The mother of my Lord. And there, that word has that royal connotation. If Mary is the mother of Elizabeth's Lord as the son of David in that royal lineage, then she is the queen mother. And that's why even in the Gospels, there's also that emphasis placed by uh, Matthew in that genealogy. A lot of times in the genealogies in 1 Kings, the mother is always listed with some of those kings. Same reason why Matthew places Mary in that genealogy. This is a special privilege given to Mary. It's the way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit desired it. And so who are we to, uh, you know, ignore this great gift given to Mary? She is our queen, and she cares for us. Nowhere in the kingdom is too small for her to care for. No corner of the kingdom is too remote for her to have any care. She is the queen of all, and all of creation, even the angels, are subject to her. And so on this day, let us give her great homage, especially by you know, reciting the rosary, we should always pay her homage as our queen by praying the rosary. That is when we take up her sword and fight under her banner in this spiritual battle we are to help build up the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ. And in another important way to pay her homage is to consecrate ourselves to her. She will take care of you. Give yourself to her. And if you've already consecrated yourself to her, you know, whatever methods there are, St. Louis de Montfort, St. Maximilian Colby, uh, Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory, all these ways of consecrating yourself. If you've already done it, great. Renew your consecration every day. You don't have to use the long consecration that you did on your consecration day. Renew it even with just a simple prayer, one from your heart that you wrote, or there's a, a beautiful prayer that the Marians use here. So if you're a Marian helper, you can especially join us in 
uh, renewing our consecration, we just use that prayer, my queen, my mother, I give myself entirely to you this day. That's how it starts, my queen, my mother. So renew your consecration. You know, so often uh, there's times in, in confession where I want to, uh, you know, give a whole game plan for somebody uh, getting out of sin and turning their life around, right? Kind of, kind of like a, uh, you know, uh, a fitness coach kind of laying down, all right, here's your workout plan in order to get in shape, right? Spiritually fit. Uh, but oftentimes here, especially here at the shrine, sometimes where, you know, the lines are so long, with, even with two, three, four priests, confessions can run two hours long here, you know, every day up to, you know, at the very least an hour. And so there's not a lot of time to kind of go through a prayer routine and those practical ways to grow in virtue. But more and more, I'm realizing now to just turn to Mary. To just say, consecrate yourself to Mary. You know, in a sense, go to this personal trainer. She'll take care of you. I can't give you the whole game plan to get spiritually fit, but Mary, our queen, she will take care of you. If you consecrate yourself to her, it may not be immediate, but I guarantee you, you will grow in holiness. You will be that saint in the kingdom that Christ wants you to be. And lastly, one last way to honor her is to sing songs to her, especially the Marian antiphons. You know, every night the church prays Compline, and at the end of night prayer, the church sings one of the Marian antiphons according to the season. Uh, right now, you know, singing the, the Salve Regina. Three of these four antiphons all reference Mary as our queen. And so learn those Marian antiphons. Sing them together as a family or on your own. These are the antiphons of the church in which we pay homage to Mary. Stay close to her because she is your queen. She is your mother and she will take care of you if you entrust everything to her. She will lead you to her son, for she and her heart are perfectly united to Christ in his heart. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org.
org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.